Well, good morning and a happy Mother's Day to you. It is a day we celebrate our moms. Uh, I love that video. It's hardcore work uh, doing motherhood, and we salute all of our moms this morning and uh, say we, it's our opportunity at least to d- deliberately take the time to our moms to say thank you, to tell you that we love you. Um, that video captures all the different aspects, and of course, there's even more aspects to motherhood. And we pause this morning to simply say to our moms the, the role that you play in your children children's lives and in our lives, regardless of your children's ages, is so critical. And we say to all of you, thank you. Uh, Your investment in us through all the years has profound impact, and we honor our moms this morning. Now, I would also say that on Mother's Day, uh, one of our uh, things we've done historically is we don't just honor moms, but as well we use it to say to women in general, um, our our appreciation for every single woman, that uh, we look at you, we see value, we see worth as a church body, we see the women in our church, and we could not be more thankful for every one of our women in this church. Um, God has blessed us with talented, gifted women, and we say to every one of you, thank you, and we celebrate who you are. We celebrate uh, who God made you to be, and we celebrate the fact that we get to have you as a part of our church. And one of the things we want to do to say thank you to our moms and to to give honor to all of our women is we want to take you out for ice cream. I can't think of any, I can't think of any better way. Well, diamonds, I suppose, but you're not getting those from us. So ice cream is where it's going to have to be. And so we want to give you that, that shot. Uh, we want to give, we want to give you a certificate. If you uh, put your phone on that, on that picture, in fact, we'll leave it up for a little while here so you can do that. Even from where you're seated, that phone, that, that will, that will work. If you want to do it at home, watching on the, on the internet, whatever, you put your phone up, get that picture, and it'll take you to the place where you can get this certificate. It's good for this week. It's good for this week only for every woman in the church, 21 years or older. Uh, it's good from today through next Sunday. And you can take this certificate with you to Al's French Fries, to Palmer Lane Maple, or to the Village Scoop in Colchester, and get yourself a free ice cream on us. Not on them, on us, just so you know. Uh, I want to be clear that they're not giving away free ice cream. They are to you, but we've made an agreement with them that you give them that certificate, and we'll, we'll uh, settle up with them at the end of the week, and we want to we wanna treat you to ice cream. Now, you do need a certificate. Um, you can't just take it on your phone and say, here it is. You do need to download it and hand them a copy, a paper copy. You don't need one that's this big. In fact, if you download it, just trust me, it won't be this big. I had them give me the big version for the, for the screen this morning. But you'll get a certificate. You take that with you. We can't get ice cream for everyone, but every single woman in our church, you download that. And we'd just like to say to you, thank you, and our way of, of saying that uh, you are appreciated. So a happy Mother's Day to all. Now, this morning... Um, I'm going to continue in our series together in our marriage relationships. It's not a Mother's Day message as such. Uh, In fact, I was thinking like this. I'm thinking most moms would appreciate, especially moms who have children at home and are are at that still in that child rearing age here. Most moms would just appreciate a a message on relationships. That would be a very helpful thing. Most women would appreciate that. So we're going to continue this morning in our series on marriage. Now I will say this along the way: as we're talking about marriage, talking about relationships. Uh, it, it's easy at times for folks to look at me giving this message. I say this because I've heard this. People say, yeah, but you know, you're preaching a marriage, but it's different for you. 
And I think, why is that? Well, because you're the pastor, you know, you're the pastor and the pastor's wife. And somehow, sometimes that picture is just that life in our world is better. It's, we don't have conflict. We don't have issues. I just want to remind you that we are very, very real people. As you've heard me through the years and messages, and not only are we very real, we are, but Diane and I both are very, very strong-willed. And so we've got opportunity at any given moment on any single thing to bang heads. I'll tell you one of our stories that happened this past year with permission. I got permission, just so you know. I don't always, I don't always have permission, but I try to get permission. So last March, during the, when COVID was really raging, in fact, we didn't know, we didn't know anything about how, you know, what was going on with that. We were in a complete lockdown. I shared with you back in my Christmas Eve message that Diane at one point was very, very sick. Um, I've never seen her this sick. Uh, at that point, she hadn't been tested. You're watching all the news about all the horrible stuff with COVID. And her mind is that, you know, she's going to be in the hospital. She's going to be in there by herself. And, and, you know, things could go really bad. And so immediately, she went into a mode of trying to protect me. And that, uh, that she was, you know, she wore a mask in the house all the time. I couldn't be around her. And of course, you know, I, I'm just not putting up with that, um, you know. And she'd say, stay away. It's like, I'm not staying away. So she'd go upstairs in the bedroom. She kicked me out of the bedroom. And she said, you know, I don't, don't sleep in the same bed. I don't, and, and it was all about protection. I don't, want to get, I don't want you to get sick. And I kept saying things like, listen, if you're sick, if you've got COVID, I'm getting COVID. I mean, we've, this is, I mean, you know, that, that train has left the station. And it's like, I don't care. I want to protect you. And so meals, I'd bring meals, and I'd go into the room, and she'd say, well, okay, you can come in, but put the food down and get back out, you know? And so that's kind of how it was going. She came downstairs, and I was like, I was so delighted, you know, she's in the kitchen, and I walked by to give her a kiss, and she says, she says, what are you doing? I said, well, I was going to kiss you. You're not, no, you're not kissing me, you know? And so we kind of get in this debate. Okay, it was a pretty argument, and uh, she's, she's mad at me. And she says, why won't you take this seriously? I mean, we're, just, we're, we're having this out, you know? And I, I go, well, I am taking it seriously, but if we're going to get sick, I'm going to get sick anyway, and I'm already sick. So you want to give me a kiss? You know, this is, the, this is across the kitchen. She's, I'm not going to give you a kiss. Why can't you see? I'm trying to protect you. And I'm shouting back, I don't need to be protected. I just want a kiss. <laughs> so she says, fine, you want a kiss? And she licks her lips. She licks her lips and she comes up and she gives me the wettest kiss you can imagine. And she says, there, are you happy? And I said, I haven't had a kiss like that since we were dating. Do it again. <laughs> so I just want you to know we live very real lives. <laughs> very real lives. And so when I talk about marriage and when I talk about relationships and I talk about how to walk through relationships, married or not, just let me tell you, we live a very real life. And the things that I want to talk about, the things I want us to see together are all these things that, that come together in such a way that help build our relationships and make them stronger. Whether you're married or not, as we've been walking through this, we're learning, how, we're learning so many things about how to, how to walk through our relationships, how to do them better, and how to understand how God made us and how, how we then function to, together in our relationships. So the first week as we were talking together, we walked through a number of things and we learned this. The, 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 the title of the series of course, is what I wish they had told me. And the first thing we learned is this. I wish someone would have told me that the happiest couples are the couples that take the, the, take the approach that says this, I owe my spouse everything and they owe me nothing in return. 
I wish somebody would have told me that one of the happiest things I could do is have an attitude that says, my spouse owes me nothing. I owe them everything. See, that gets us out of this debt-debtor type of, type of thing. It gets us out of this negotiation where I'll do this for you and you do this for me. And, and I wish somebody would have told me that. The second thing we learned in our following week was we learned this. I wish somebody would have told me that the happiest marriages are marriages where there's a, a competition for submission. A competition for submission. A competition where we don't fight to see who's going to be first. We fight to see who's going to be second. Who's going to be last in line, not first in line. And now this morning, and just a statement about submission. I want to remind you that submission is not about putting one person down. It's about raising someone else up. It's, it's, it's so fundamentally different than how we typically view submission. And now we come to this week. And this week, Peter is going to speak into our lives about what to do next. And what to do next with our picture. We talked early on that we, everyone paints a picture of what we think life should look like. We paint this picture of what we want our hopes and what our dreams and what our futures will look like. And Peter's actually going to speak into this. Uh, the great disciple Peter is going to tell us about what to do next in our, in our relationships. Now, he's not going to talk specifically about marriage, but he is going to talk profoundly about relationships. He's going to give us some incredible truths. So whether you're single, whether you're married, no matter who you are, there's incredible truth this morning about relationships. Now, Peter, you recall, was one of the original followers of Jesus. In fact, some of the most famous stories we have in the New Testament, in the Gospels, happened because of Peter in his life. Peter was arrogant. Peter was a know-it-all. He was full of himself. He had a big mouth. He spoke, he spoke without, about, without thinking. And by the way, women, does that remind you of anyone you know? You know, we can do that. We can have that kind of uh, attitude about knowing everything and having, uh, having kind of a big head along the way. Peter can speak into this moment for us. He can speak into this idea of relationships. He walked with Jesus for three years. He had his life radically transformed, radical change. In fact, what Peter's going to tell us, what Peter's going to say to us this morning, when you realize who it's coming from, might just sound a little odd and a little weird when you realize this big, strong, arrogant Peter and what he has to say to us now in this moment after he's met Jesus and after Jesus Christ has transformed his life. I want to tell you that what Peter tells us to do in our relationships will seem odd and will seem hard at times. But I also want you to know that the alternatives to what Peter would suggest that you might choose to follow will also be hard and they don't work. What Peter will ask us to do with our broken dreams and our hopes and all those things, what Peter will suggest that we do actually will be hard but actually works or you can choose a different path. Just know that they don't work. You see, I have all of these hopes and dreams and what do I do with them when it's not quite going according to plan? When he's hoping these dreams don't quite look like I had envisioned them looking. Well, you can ignore them, but that doesn't work. Uh, you can basically pretend that they don't matter. That doesn't work. You can just give, give yourself and give more and more of yourself and work harder and harder and harder. And sooner or later, you'll burn out and be tired. You'll be unhealthy and that doesn't work. You can stay busy, you can stay distracted, you can pick up some new hobby and throw yourself into some new interest, but that doesn't work. I mean, you can throw yourself into all these different things. You can take your picture, and here's what some will do. They'll take their picture and they'll leave and they'll run to another relationship. See, the problem with that is this. The problem with that is wherever you go, there you are. You got that, right? 
The problem is when you leave, jump out of one relationship, go to another one, the problem is you're still there. And that would suggest you're part of the problem. See, if you're going to jump out of one relationship, go to another, unless somewhere in between there, you're going to spend a lot of time working on you and taking responsibility for your issues and saying, well, I got to get this right for me. The problem is, and you just take it all with you. So now just before I give you Peter's words, let's just kind of put a platform here of honesty. Now people, you know, those people, this people, these people, people, we never go out looking for relationships where we can give ourselves away. Now just think about that for just a moment. Let's be honest and realize that we are people and none of us go out looking for relationships where we can give ourselves away to someone else. None of us goes out looking for people where we can just be selfless with. I want to find some person where I can give myself totally to them and their well-being and care everything about them. No, it doesn't work that way. Typically, when we're looking for people, we're looking for people that we can get stuff from. I want someone who's going to give me affirmation because I need affirmation. So I want someone who's going to give me the affirmation that I need. I need someone who's going to give me the time that I need. I need someone who's going to give me all the things that I need. We have our list of things, and typically we're looking for people that will fulfill our needs, and we typically don't go looking for people where we can live selfless lives. So with that in mind, then what do we do with our pictures? What do we do with these hopes and we, we have these dreams? They're legitimate. I want, never want, if you hear anything, make sure you hear this. I would never minimize the hopes and the dreams and the things that we hope for, want, or expect. Because they're very, very real in our lives. So what do we do with them? Well, Peter gives us some insight, so let's begin to dig in. Peter is writing to some Christians who are under Roman oppression. And he doesn't use the word mutual submission exactly in that way, but you'll see it's the same theme. And here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now catch this part. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. The part we want to focus on is that second part where it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. This is a general relationship principle that applies to every single relationship, including marriage. Clothe yourself in humility. Peter's statement is this. In all of your relationships, he says this. In every single relationship, clothe yourself in humility. Now, I have to tell you that it's a little hard to define what it means to clothe yourself in humility. I started writing down, what do I think that means? What means instead of going big, go small. Instead of means, you know, of course, being first to be second. And take the attitude that says, no, you, not me. But admittedly, trying to get a good definition of what it means to clothe yourself in humility is a little harder to define, but let me give it to you in a different way. Let me tell you how to get to that place. Let me tell you how to clothe yourself in humility. Humility, Because if I tell you how to do it, it becomes clearer than what it is. So here's the how-to. Here's the how to clothe yourself in humility. It means this. In every relationship conversation that you're going to have, in every relationship irritation that you will face, in every relationship decision that you will make, in every potential relationship conflict that you will go through, in every moment... When you, when you are ready to open your mouth in any relationship, stop and ask yourself this question, what would a humble person do right now? 
Now, I should also tell you that giving you a definition would be far easier to live by than asking you to do this. You see, to clothe yourself in humility means that in every one of those relationship moments, before you act, before you speak, you stop and ask yourself, so what would a truly humble person do? What would a humble person do? It's pretty simple. It's not hard. Some of you are thinking, well, I got to be honest, guy. You wouldn't say this out loud, but some of you are saying, well, I got to be honest, I'm not all that humble. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm telling you to stop and think about it first. Because none of us find ourselves saying, yeah, I am so humble. Does that sound humble? So the truth of it is, every one of us needs to stop and say, so what would a truly humble person do? Now, please know, you don't have to be humble to know what a humble person would do. And let me give you off the hook here a little bit. On top of that, I'm not even asking you to go and do that. I'm just asking you to stop and ask the question, what would a humble person do? Now, let me tell you one of the greatest secrets on humility that you're ever going to hear. And I like to take credit for this, but in all my reading and getting ready for this, I mean, I'm I'm writing down things, I'm, I'm learning things all along the way. I'm still learning in my marriage. Let me tell you one of the greatest secrets about humility. If you start doing what a humble person does, guess what you'll be? Humble. If you start doing, if you stop and say, what what would a humble, humble person do? And then do it, do you realize that you'll be humble? Now, immediately, some of you are saying, hey, hold on, wait a minute. Some of you are thinking, that's not true because humility is an internal thing. Humility is a heart issue. It's not an outside thing. You can't just start doing humble things and actually be humble. No, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. How many of you would agree with me that you can actually read your own mind? Right? You can. It's not a trick question. Some of you are going, okay, he's setting this up. I'm not. It's not a trick question. You, you, you have to agree that says, yes, I can read my own mind. Only you can read your mind. When someone else is on reading your mind, they're not reading your mind. They're just taking a best guess at everything else they've seen in, their, in your life. That's all that is. The truth of it is, you're the only person who can read your own mind. It's not a trick question. You see, you can read your own mind. You know if you're arrogant or not. Because you can read your own mind. You know your own heart. Only you can read your own mind. But for everyone else, we can only read your actions. Think about that. You can read your own mind and know if you're arrogant or not. But only for us, we can't read your mind. All we can do is look at your actions. And by the way, remember that actions speak louder than words. So you can read your own mind about whether you're living in that world of arrogance. But when it comes to how you really are, all we have to go by is your actions. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm already humble. Now... You know, if you're already humble, that doesn't quite fit the picture either. Because humility is one of those things that simply comes out in what we do. You see, here's the thing about humility. You can't sit sit there and say, you know what, I am humble. And just because you think it, you are. You're not humble. Humility is an incredible thing. Humility, now think about this. Humility can only be acted out. You can't think yourself to be humble. Humility only gets acted out. Think about this later. Tonight, when you're laying in bed, think about that. The only way that humility is true in a person's life is by their action. See, you can be arrogant and do absolutely nothing. But you can't be humble and do nothing. 
Because it always comes out in the action. So Peter says this. This is the kind of where he's leaning in that. He says, ask the question. You clothe yourself in humility. The way you get there is you say, hey, what would a humble person do? And then I'll say it. And then go do it. What happened in your relationship if you were to go small instead of going big and powering up? What would happen in our relationship if I were to go, listen, I'm going to go second, you be first. What if I were to put someone else first in front of me and say, I'm going to live my life in such a way that I put you first. Some of you are thinking, I'll tell you what happened. I'm going to get walked all over. Because whenever we think about putting someone else first deliberately, we find ourselves in a place that would say, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to get walked over. I'm going to be pushed around. I'm going to be manipulated. And I would say, no, no. I didn't say be a doormat. I didn't say be weak and spineless. I didn't say be a pushover or rollover. What I said is be humble. And those things aren't being humble. Those things are false humility. Those things are just being weak. Now, here's the next question. Why should we be humble? If I make the case for humility, the next question you ought to ask would be, well, why? I mean, what's the real benefit of that? Well, uh, we have that in our, in our passage, in, uh, in the same passage. Because it says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So put it this way. Let me phrase it differently. Instead of the question, what would a humble person do? Put it this way. Ask yourself this question. Do I really want God against me? Now, that's a good question, isn't it? Is you're in your multiple relationships, ask the question, would I like to have God for me or like to have God against me? See, you get to choose. When this thing called humility comes into play, you get to choose. Do I really want to live my life in opposition to God? Is that really how you want to walk through all of your relationships with God opposing you? Now, some of us immediately don't like the thought that God pulls back from people because they're proud. But I would suggest to you real quickly, before you're too quick to judge God's behavior on that one, ask yourself this, how often do you lean in to the proud person? How often do you lean in to the arrogant person? And I would suggest that God doesn't necessarily pull back, but I would say this, what's the one thing that God cannot do? He cannot, he will not step in to your free will. If you choose to be arrogant, you're going to be arrogant. And let me tell you what, when I'm arrogant and I am the most important person in life, God always has to play second part because he's not going to force his way into the throne room of our lives. So ask yourself the question in our relationships, would I like to have God for me? Would I like to have God leaning in? But then on top of that, Peter also says this. So listen, be humble because if you're not humble, God opposes those who are not humble. But on top of it, he says, but he also shows favor to the humble. This is actually an incredible promise, though it doesn't read quite this way in English. It's actually an incredible promise that if you would humble yourself, if you will clothe yourself in humility, God says, I will give you grace. I will bless you. So what Peter is saying is this. In your relationships, when you humble yourself, it's an invitation for God to step into your life. Now think about this. When I am willing to say, what would a humble person do? And then to actually do it. When I actually act with humility, that is an invitation for God to step into your life and to give you the patience that you need, to give to you the endurance that you need, to give to you the power that you need, to give to you the peace that you need. If you don't take anything else out of this today, write this down and take this with you. Humility is an invitation to God. 
Your humility is your invitation for God to do something extraordinary in your life and in your relationships. Just think about that. When I'm willing to take the step that says, what would a humble person do? And then act on it, which means to act in humility. That is the invitation for God to step into your life. Um, So Peter restates it again differently. He wants to get the point. In verse 6, he says, now humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So first he tells us to humble ourselves, to clothe ourselves in humility. Then he adds to a little better description, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now under the mighty hand of God, please know this is not the heavy hand of God. This is not the picture that some have. God has his heavy hand waiting on you and pushing you down. No, the picture he's giving, this mighty hand of God is the protective hand of God. He's saying that when you, when you humble yourselves, when you clothe yourselves in humility, you're actually stepping into God's protective covering. Think about this. When you humble yourself, you are basically backing yourself into the safest place that you can be. You've got God's mighty protective hand. And when you're in the battle relationally, if you will humble yourself, you're not putting yourself under the heavy hand of God. You're putting yourself under the protective hand of God. You're backing yourself up right into the safest place you can be where God says, I've got you. See, instead of powering up like some of us do, we have those moments we decide we're going to power up. I'm going to go out there and get, and I'm going to win at any cost. I'm going to, when you're ready to get demanding, when you're ready to show who's who's who, no, don't do any of that. Do that and you're going to be in a fight and I guarantee that you're not going to win that fight. I would also say you're going to be in a fight. Don't forget, when you decide to power up and take that role that says, I'm going to win, don't forget, it says you're going to be in opposition to God and guess what? God wins all battles. So I would suggest don't go that route, but instead, what would the humble person do and then do it? Now, when you do that, Peter adds something else. Not only are you under God's protective hand, but he's all, you're also under his strengthening hand. Because what he says is this. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may do what? That he might lift you up. So it's interesting thing about God's hands. They're not like this over you. They're like this. When you humble yourself, when you, when you act with humility, you back yourself into this protective position where God said, I got one hand completely covering you for protection. With the other hand, I'm going to lift you up. It's an incredible picture. It's an incredible picture, an incredible sequence of events that I'm ready to amp up, that the, the tension's great, I'm not getting my way, my picture's not looking like it's supposed to look, and I'm getting ready to explode, but instead in that moment, if I'll say, what would the humble person do and take that approach, you back yourself into the place where God says, I have got you, and I'll strengthen you. It's an incredible picture. But to this point that some of you are thinking, yeah, you know, even maybe many of us are thinking, yeah, Scott, that's great. It sounds good. It sounds nice. Um, maybe that's the way it is in your preacher life, which I think I've set that aside now. You know, that's not true. But some of you are thinking, yeah, but my, mar- my marriage is really hard. Because see, what happens is this. Whenever we're in difficult relationships, we're sure that ours is more difficult than anyone else's. We're never, we're in the relationship battle. We're sure that no one's facing what we're facing. And so you have this thought maybe that says, yeah, but, but, this is, but this is really hard. I'm in a really tight space. 
So the question I'd say is, so then what do we do after we humble ourselves? Because when I suggest to you that you take a humble position in the middle of the relationship, whatever, the conversation, the discussion, the disagreement, whatever it might be, the hard part for many of us is, so if I take the humble position, but then what? So then what? So I do what the humble person would do. What do I do next? What, what happened? What am I waiting for? Well, first, uh, when, I, when someone says to me, sure, I'll do it, but what do I wait for next? That doesn't sound real humble. But it's a legitimate question to say, I want to take the humble position, but what happens next? So let me begin to end here towards conclusion here with a view of this passage that you've probably never seen before. In fact, I would suggest to you the passage that we're in, I have quoted it many, many, many times, but I never had stopped to remember that this whole passage is all about relationships. And when I say that, it becomes so obvious. Now, see, Peter's talking about our lives relationally when he tells us to humble ourselves. And then he says, by humbling yourself, you're inviting God in. We just talked about that, to lift you up. And he's going to do that in due time, which means you may not be lifted up immediately, but you position yourself for God to do his work. I will lift you up. But then Peter says this. Look down in verse 7. And then he says, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. See, this is what jumped off the page when I was reading some of my commentaries. I have used that verse countless times with people. Casting all your anxiety on him. Casting all of your cares on him. For he cares with you. And you know what I never did? I never zoomed out far enough in the, to looking at the verse. The, pictures are, the, the verse is a great, pic, a great verse. You got anxiety, you got issues, man. Cast all your cares on, on him because he cares for you. I got it. But do you realize that verse was given in the context of relational tension? That verse was given in the context of everything else where what Peter's talking about is, is, is relationships and humbling ourselves in the relationships. This verse is talking about whatever relationship you're in. Cast all your anxiety on him. Let me change the word. Cast all your marital frustrations on him. Because it wasn't supposed to be this way. Cast all of your he said, she said moments on him. Cast all of your broken promises on him. Cast all of your hurt feelings on him. This verse was meant to be about our relationships. But it gets even better. This word cast, if you look at it and break it down in the Greek, means to throw. Throw all your angst on him. Throw all your hurt at him. Throw all your anger at him. Throw all your brokenness. Throw it at him. Friends, this is God's invitation for you to unload on him. This is God's invitation. Let me say it this way. Instead of throwing your load of expectations, instead of throwing your unmet expectations, instead of throwing things at your spouse, throw them all at God. Before you take it out on him, before you take all it out on her, instead, first take it to him and let him have it. And here it is. Here's what I wish someone would have told me early in my years of marriage or before. I wish somebody would have told me in marriage, sometimes you just have to throw things. Some of you are thinking, yeah. I got that. I'm dodging a couple of frying pans this last week. I wish someone had told me that sometimes you just have to throw things. But you're supposed to throw your things at God. Not at each other. Throw your things on him because he cares for you. 
and he can handle everything that you throw at him. Now, be sure to understand this. Peter says that one of the keys to a healthy relationship is actually prayer. You go, what? Where'd that come from? Well, how else do you throw your anxiety on God? You talk to him. Peter's actually making the case here that says one of the strengths of your relationships will be your ability to communicate with God. He says, go talk to him about it. Talk to him about all the things that you carry in your heart. Prayer is the way that you throw things, you throw your stuff to God. But not the prayers like some of us sense. Some of us have this picture. We, we see our prayers as having to be so proper. Kind of goes like this. Oh, dear God. Hi, this is uh, Scott Slocum. I live at 33 Beach Street, Essex Junction, Vermont. I live in that tan house, you know. I have the white car. I'm married to Diane. I have a, a dog named Kodiak. I just wanted to check in and give you a couple things that are on my mind. Does that sound even remotely like casting all of your cares on him? Does that sound even remotely like throwing everything at God? That is not God's invitation. You see, the difficulty is somehow in our heads, we have real life kind of picture, and then I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to get real calm, and I'm going to just kind of tell him a story. Friends, the picture he gives here is, listen, when you're in relationship battles, when you've got to stop and ask yourself, what would a humble person do? You're probably in the thick of it. And when you're in the thick of it, what Peter says, so then instead of casting all of your stuff at them, throw them to him. Listen, instead of holding all of your energy inside, which will eat you alive, instead, take all of that venting and all of that energy, and instead of venting it towards your spouse or the other people in your relationship, just send it to God. Take the energy of that which has made you mad, that which has left you disappointed, that which has left you hurt, that which has left you frustrated, and start with God and let him have it. Now, what's interesting is that this idea of casting your cares, your frustration, your anger, all of these things on God, this idea that Peter gives to us relationally actually didn't come from Peter. Peter actually lifted this from David in the Old Testament. What's interesting, this whole context where Peter says, listen, in your relationships, choose the humble route. But when you do that, you're still going to have to take your picture somewhere. So take it to God and let him have it. But he's actually taking all of this from King David. Listen to some of these verses that we get. This is where, this is where Peter's quoting. This is the reference that he's quoting when he says, so cast all of your anxiety on him. Psalm 55 verse 4. This is David writing. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that if I had wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. Interesting. This is a real life issue. And um, David says this, if I could just fly away, I would get out of here. Ever have that moment? Ever have that relationship moment where maybe you haven't said it, maybe you have, but maybe in your heart you have said, oh, if I could just get away. If I had wings, I would fly away from all of this. Let me add to that, Psalm 55, verse 12. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. 
Stop there for just a moment. David's not referencing God there. He's actually referencing the heart of this. He's, listen, if, if I was in some kind of conflict with someone I didn't even know, with my enemy, I could deal with that. But the reason why David's hurting so bad, he says, but my conflict is with someone I love. My conflict is, is someone that we used to worship together. Let me just suggest to you that for some of us in our relationships, some of the greatest pain we face is when we remember the way that it was. And we think, how did we get here? I mean, we used, to, we used to love each other. We used to worship together. We used to do this and this and this. And it was so good. And that pain is so great because he says, but this is someone that I loved. And now we're at odds together. I think we can relate to that. Catch this part, verse 15. David writes, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them. Let me give you the the, the rough translation of that in modern English. I pray my enemies would go to hell. That's what it says. He just says it a little more eloquently. He said, I just wish they'd just all go to hell. Leave me alone. Yeah, we've been there. And then here it comes, verse 22. And David writes this, cast your cares, sound familiar? Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. There it is. There's where, that's where, where Peter was writing and thinking about. So cast all of your cares on him. David said, cast your cares on the Lord for he will sustain you. By the way, moms, this is a great verse for any parenting relationship. You know, when you're looking at those kids, you're thinking, man, what am I going to do? Come unglued with God, not with them. There's so many things in parenting that we have learned through the years, both men and women, there are times when you just don't know what to do next. You know what? Throw it at God. And you can look at this and say, some are thinking, Scott, but this is really going to help my marriage. Absolutely. Here's why. Let me wrap, with that, wrap up with this. First, if it's important to you, it's important to your Father in heaven. Do you hear that? If what you've put in your picture of your hopes and dreams, if those things are important to you, they are important to him. So go talk to him about it because he cares. Second thing God tells us, no one can meet all your expectation. I could sit down with you and look at your picture and say, I got to tell you, I don't know anyone who can meet all those expectations, but you're not going to change the picture because that's still our hopes and our dreams. But there is one who can meet them all of your expectations, hopes, and dreams, and more. You know who it is, right? It's him. So you take them to him. And the third thing I would say, the reason why this works is this. When you begin to humble yourself in all of your relationships, specifically in your marriage, when you begin to humble yourself, you will find more and more the favor of God. And the first remarkable thing that you will find God doing is that he will be doing something in you. You see, when I begin to humble myself, I not only invite God to come in and do something for me by protecting me and raising me up, when I humble myself, I invite God to do something in me. And that's the start. Let's stand and I'll pray. Close us in prayer. Lord Jesus, first that we all confess that none of us really like the picture of us always humbling ourselves. 
Somehow we've taken hold of this worldview that humility or humbleness is weakness. It is not. It's incredible strength. So remind us of that. Help us grab a hold of the truth that says, listen, I don't want to be in opposition to you, God. I want to live my life in such a way that I put myself in the place of your favor. And your word is clear. Whenever I choose humility, I choose the favor of God. May every one of us choose that today in each and all of our relationships. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the women of this church. We celebrate them. I thank you for the moms in this church. We celebrate them this day. I hope they have that sense of your blessing on their lives. Dismiss us today in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.